coming up next on Chamber Amplified. Uh, oftentimes it looks like it comes from somebody you know, but uh, you know, a little closer look at the address that's coming from uh, may give you some clues there. If you have any doubt at all, contact the individual, not, not by responding to the email. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Doug Jenkins from the Finlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. On each episode of Chamber Amplified, we examine issues impacting the local business community, from employee recruitment to marketing to today's topic, IT issues, really anything that can be impacting your business. Our goal is to give our members tips each week on at least one way that they can improve operations and thrive in the current business environment. Each week, we also talk to a long-tenured Chamber of Commerce member to learn more about how they get started, some of their twists and turns along the way, and the lessons that they learned during that journey. So this week, we're taking a look at data breaches and how they can impact your business. You see stories about this in the news fairly frequently anymore, but usually those stories really feature large businesses. We all remember that oil pipeline shut down from a year or so ago. That might lull you into a false sense of security if you work at a smaller or medium-sized business that you're not being targeted by this. But that's not the truth. And we're talking today about that with Lauren Wagner from Centricom. He'll join us to talk about why that is and also what to do should you have a data breach. We're also joined by Aaron Ryder of Fox Run Manor, who have been members for nearly 38 years now. We'll talk about the services that the facility offers and how skilled nursing care has changed quite a bit from when Fox Run first got started. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, rate and review the show if you would, please. It really does help spread the word. Now, let's get into it. Joined now by Lauren Wagner of Centricom here on Chamber Amplified as we talk about IT security issues, specifically what to do if you've been breached. A super fun topic, right, Lauren? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> getting to be more and more fun for a lot of people. Well, that's the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is I was looking through some headlines on LinkedIn the other day. I saw another story about a, a security breach like this, and I thought they're just more prevalent. And more and more small businesses are getting impacted by these. So let's just start with the basics. You find out you've been breached. What do you do? Well, that uh, that depends a, a little bit on the industry that you're in and some other factors. So uh, let's take, for example, those that may have uh, cybersecurity insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, if they know that they've been breached, then one of the first things it would be to contact their insurance company. Um, and, and of course, they have people that are designated to help them out and doing some investigative work as well. If they're a uh, if they're a customer of the of the DOD Department of Defense or supplier, then they have some very specific reporting requirements there as well. So uh, it does kind of depend the, uh, the you know the thing that a lot of companies need to be thinking about is is having that incident response plan that guides them uh, ahead of time in the event that they should have some type of data breach or ransomware event or something of that nature, so they're not doing this all on the fly. And that's a really good place to jump off from there from is if you don't already have a plan in place, by the way, there's a high likelihood this is going to happen to just about every business anymore. So it's good to have that plan in place. That way you're not running around with your hair on fire. Are there ready-made plans available on the internet for uh, maybe a small business that doesn't have an IT team? 
Um, I, I, I'm sure there may be some templates out there that people can look at. I, I can't give a specific mm-hmm. reference. Uh, we work with with companies and help them a lot on working through that process of identifying what they need to do, what they need to be thinking about in the event that something happens. And and more and more insurance companies, uh, you know, if they have cyber insurance or thinking of getting cyber insurance, more of them are requiring an incident response plan so that they can be more effective in their responses. So there's help out there. Um, some of it might be uh, free if you're willing to go out and, and, and look for it. And then, but it's still going to take some work on your part in order to put together that plan. Probably not plug and play by any means. No, not exactly. I mean, there's some high level things that, that you need to do is in one of those is who, who, who do you call? Who are you going to call? And, and how are you going to respond internally uh, with your, with your employees, with your business partners, with your customers uh, in the event that something happens, because certainly it's going to be disruptive to your business. And, uh, and, and those are some of the areas that you have to be, you know, cognizant of to have an effective response. When a hacker or whoever gets into this type of data, what is it specifically that they're looking for? And I guess what are best practices to make sure that that information isn't really easily available for them to read? Well, uh, that that also depends. You know, I hate to give the, <laughs> I'm asking a lot of broad questions today, yeah, Lord. I hate to give the consulting response here, you know, but it, <laughs> it does depend and depends on the organization. I mean, the bottom line for the vast majority of people out there is they want money. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they and it doesn't really matter who you are, uh, what nature of business you're in, and if you're thinking that you don't have anything that that the bad guys might want. You need to be rethinking that because the the fundamentally, the two biggest areas are ransomware and what they call business email compromise. Both of those are multi-million and in some cases, multi-billion operations. Um, They know what they're doing and they're really just out for your money. Now, some industries you're in, you know, they may be looking for intellectual property. Um, and that's a big one in the, in the mm-hmm. government area and Department of Defense area. But primarily, uh, they, they just want some quick cash. You touched on a point there that we've talked about on this podcast before, too, um, is that a lot of times people get into the mindset, oh, what do they want from me? I'm just a little fish. They're going to go mm-hmm. after Facebook or they're going to go after Google. Like, well, yeah, there's a lot more money to try and pry away from Facebook or Google, but they also have millions upon billions of dollars to try and combat that sometimes it's a lot easier to fish where it's a small business that doesn't have that type of it security yeah as a matter of fact i was recently working on a, a presentation for another organization and uh i'll just share this quote that <laughs> came from uh samantha balserson who's a supervisory special agent with the fbi cyber squad And uh, her comment is, I've seen hairdressers, tire shops, paving places. They don't think they're going to be the victim, but anyone can be the victim of cybercrime. And and that's the reality of it. It doesn't really matter what business you're in. Uh, Hopefully you're successful and you have money. and, And that's ultimately what they're after.
Uh, absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about what they might be after. We've talked a little bit about what to do if they, they do get in there. And the biggest thing is have that plan in place already. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about prevention. Certainly nothing's 100% foolproof as we find more and more about that every day. Um, but what are some prevention things? Obviously, knowing we're going to talk more about this at Fresh Brew Business coming up uh, on October 4th. But what can people do to try and harden themselves against this type of uh, intrusion? Well, frankly, it's it's knowledge. It's it's understanding and accepting that this exists, that you can be impacted by it, and and learning a little bit more about such things as ransomware and how they attract people in order to respond to their 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 phishing email, for example, which is the primary way that that this happens with ransomware. Paying attention to where the email comes from. Uh, oftentimes, it looks like it comes from somebody you know, but uh, you know, a little closer look at the address that's coming from uh, may give you some clues there. If you have any doubt at all, contact the individual. Not not by responding to the email, mm-hmm. and not by responding to a phone number in the email, but contact them directly in in the way you normally would with you know, through their email address that you know, or through a phone number, you know, and it's just validate, verify if this really is something that came from them and you should be aware of. Uh, the business email compromise side of it, um, there's there's some, a little bit of a reality check here. You know, a lot of times these, these come to people in the form of, hey, I'm your CEO, and, and or CFO, and I need you to do this. Mm-hmm. I need you to wire some money to this account, or the, they're changing an account number for a customer. Um, and and people do it a lot of times. They're busy. They don't don't think to challenge it or ask about it. Maybe they're in a position where they don't feel comfortable with challenging their or asking their CEO or CFO. But by all means, follow up with those and make sure that they're the ones that are really asking for that money or that change. <laughs> well, one thing that I would recommend, and, and maybe we'll see if this falls in line with guidelines, but think about how you communicate with someone. And I've told this story probably on the podcast before, but I've told it to others is that uh, a, a member here at the chamber that, uh, that I talked to on a fairly regular basis, I got an email from them and it se- just seemed just a little bit, off like the communication pattern didn't match and there was an attachment of something else they wanted me to read and i nearly mm-hmm. opened it and i thought wait a second this is not how we normally talk and this is not how we normally email and then when i reached out and called their number that i already have on file they're like yeah we've had we've had an issue with that don't open that so i came about that close but fortunately yeah. i did not open that attachment yeah well that's good and that's an excellent example doug and that's that's exactly you know, one of the scenarios that happens, uh, the, the other one has been, you know, go to the store and buy some gift cards, you yeah. know, or iTunes cards has been a pretty popular one. Uh, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that's happened a lot, especially to senior people is getting an email saying that they have a relative that's in trouble or in mm-hmm. jail or in another country and they need their help. And, uh, you know, send me some money, but you have to use these iTunes cards and just send me the serial numbers, right? Well, as soon as you do that, that money's gone. 
are are these types of scams are, are they getting better at doing these i know we we've heard all of the, the you know the grandparent scam is kind of what you're talking about there and we've heard them and we all say oh i would never fall for that but every day we read about breaches i guess this is the social engineering part of it are, are criminals getting better at that which is scary to think of yeah well i i think they are uh you know statistics in 2021 uh were you know, breaking breaking barriers. Actually, the the business email compromise side of things or the fraud side of things was was literally uh, in a neighborhood of two point two point four billion dollars. And that that's that's a lot of money, and that's a lot of scam. It's not chump change, that's and for sure. Ransomware, yeah, ransomware was around fifty million, but but that's kind of a. Uh, not an accurate number really because a lot of ransomware events don't get don't get reported to the FBI and that's where those numbers come from so the reality is much much more money than that but yeah they're they're I think they're getting braver and uh and and they're getting better I mean I've gotten some email uh, you know as well that is looks very convincing mm-hmm. how I've, I've not read about this maybe you know but is machine learning going to be an issue in this? Because in the past, if you get an email that's got broken English in it or something like that, you can pretty well tell that that's an issue. But as we see machine learning and we start to see AI writing emails, uh, they're getting better at maybe cracking those language barriers and not having that broken English. So it's important to be very discerning. Yeah. Yeah. The the English and synthetic part of it is is something to keep an eye out for, certainly. But that's not the only not the only clue. A lot of times there'll be there'll be a sense of urgency that's expressed in the in the email or the request. You know, you have to do this now. We have to do this right away, um, which which prompts a quicker response. And frankly, people get nervous or get excited or under the pretense that something's going to happen to them or somebody close to them, and and that that takes priority in their in their minds. You know, and and they respond accordingly. Um, what what we see, you know, a lot of people use spam filters, and a lot of email agents have spam filters in it. But there's still, you know, eighty or eighty five percent sounds like a good number that they trap. But when you're talking about millions of them, yeah, there's still a lot of them to get through. The volume is uh, is the key there, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Lauren, we won't uh, we won't have you spoil everything that we're going to talk about at uh, Fresh Brood coming up on October 4th. Again, if you want to hear more on this subject and you really want your employees versed in this, we would encourage you to join us uh, at the Marathon Center for Performing Arts. But Lauren, if people want to have a conversation with you about this between now and then or even after, uh, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, Lwagner at Centricom.net. There you go. Just that easy. Thank you for taking Just time to talk to us about this today. Well, I'm happy to do so, Doug. I appreciate the opportunity. Big thanks for Lauren for joining us once again today. You can hear him talk more about this topic at the October 4th Fresh Brewed Business. And don't forget to join our Technology Infrastructure Committee for their Information Assurance Forum. That's coming up on October 26th at the University of Finley. You can check out our website, finleyhancockchamber.com, for more information on how to register for that. If you have someone who takes care of IT for your business, you definitely want to send them to this event. This year, we're focusing on what happens when the internet is down. And rest assured, it's more than your kids complaining that they can't get on TikTok, like mine would. 
One quick chamber note to run by you. This is the time of year where businesses are evaluating insurance plans, open enrollment season coming up. If you have, are a Chamber of Commerce member, you could be eligible for our Chamber Saver plan through Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield. Even if you're a sole proprietor, there's a plan available for you and you can get a solid negotiated rate as part of the large group of Chamber of Commerce members from around the state. So let me know if you'd like more information on that. I'll get the ball rolling for you, and you can reach me at djenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S, at finleyhancockchamber.com. Now let's get back into the show. And welcoming to Chamber Amplified, Aaron Ryder from Fox Run Manor. Fox Run has been a member for nearly 38 years now. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having us. So quite the history for Fox Run Manor. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. But first, let's familiarize our listeners with Fox Run Manor and everything that you do there. Yeah, so Fox Run Manor is a nursing home on the south side of town. Um, we've been in Finley for over 40 years, actually. We've changed our locations, you know, <laughs> from where St. Catharines was, now Manor at Greendale. So a little hard to follow. Um, but <laughs> 10 years ago, they built this beautiful building out here. Um, we offer, you know, rehab after a hospital stay, as well as long-term care. So we have a therapy gym, therapy team here in-house. Um, so if you're getting a hip replacement, knee replacement, or suffer from a stroke or any, any need for rehabilitation, we can get you back on your feet uh, and get you home. Very good. You couldn't tell Aaron is uh, fairly new with the facility, but uh, you nailed that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So actually, let's talk a little bit about that. What um, what brought you to Fox Run? What made it uh, appealing for you to come work there? Uh, great question. You know, for me, this is a family owned and operated company, HCF. And, you know, with my family life, it was time for, for some flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, and that is definitely what this company represents. So at Fox Run Manor during the interview process, I remember bringing that up. And it was actually with the uh, the owner of the company, the president, Carrie, who is the daughter of the late Jim Unverfirth. So oh, yeah. the, the family has been, you know, in this industry for three generations now. And, you know, I really bought into that. And honestly, since I've started, it's all true. I mean, it's it's just that family owned, operated feel. You know, the residents are family, your coworkers are family. And then that a flexibility that they allow when you have things, you know, coming up, you know, whether it's a hospital stay for a kiddo um, or, or what have you, you know, that that opportunity to be there with your family is something that they really they really work towards. So that was appealing to me and, and it serves true. And I appreciate that. Well, this is a line of work that I think appeals to a certain type of person. You really have to have that compassion and, and caring for your fellow human being to work in this line. Oh, yeah, definitely. It takes a special person and we're always looking for more special people. You know, it's a very humble job. It's it's something it's hard work. And we are looking for caring and compassionate individuals to continue to help us out in caring for a lifetime, caring for our residents. I think it's interesting. And this is just sort of a random thought that popped into my head. But we have so many. I mean, there's just all sorts of different types of people, and some people are wired to to be teachers and work with younger people, and some people are are more wired and they they love working with the older population. and uh, And when you can get them in a position that's fulfilling, uh, I imagine not only is it great for them, but it's great for the people who are using your services. Yes, definitely. And I think it does take a special person. I think a lot of the people that like to work with our elderly population, you know, had some great experiences growing up. 
um, whether it was their grandparents, um, their parents, or great aunts, great uncles. Um, I think the knowledge and mm-hmm. just the things you can gain from being around somebody who's had so many different perspectives on life is just entertaining. You know, I love coming to work every day to be around this population. It's definitely something that that caught me early on. And, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, working in any other line of work. I, I just love our residents. And that's what everybody's here for, to to give them the best care they deserve and learn from them and have fun with them every day. And as you mentioned, it's been there for over 40 years now. Certainly it's changed quite a bit since then. What are some of the biggest advances that you've seen? Obviously, you've not been there all 40 years. You're definitely, you're not even 40, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Around longer than I have been. So, um, you know, some of the changes are person-centered workplace. You know, there was this fear. If you go back 40 years and you look at nursing homes and long-term mm. care, it's a way different perspective oh, yeah. than what you get today. You know, everything's about the home-like environment, um, resident rights, making sure that the residents have 100% choice in any decision, you know, so, you know, it's important for our residents to feel safe in this environment, to feel respected, to have their dignity. Um, these are things that, you know, quite possibly didn't exist 40, 50 years mm-hmm. ago, you know, and I think a lot of people still have that mindset, that negative mindset with nursing homes, like, oh, I don't want to go to a nursing home because it was terrible 50 plus years ago. <laughs> But it's really come a long ways. And, you know, it's all about the residents and what they want. So, you know, I think that's the biggest change throughout the long history of nursing homes in general. But now you see, you know, just compassionate caregivers and residents that are just happy. Yeah, and that's something that, I mean, first of all, you have to have great communicators when you talk about making sure everybody has a say and and all the residents have a say in, in what's going on with their care. Uh, but then to your point of just how much different it is, like I can remember uh, some nursing homes that, that my grandparents were in when I was a kid. And it's anytime I go out and visit your facility or any of the facilities around here, I'm like, this is a completely different world now than, than it, what it was when I was eight or nine years old. And it's, it's great to see because it always, it just never felt like a, a home type environment back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even the food, you know, or I feel like the food's really delicious. I eat the same things <laughs> the resident eats uh, on a daily basis. So um, activities like programs, we keep things, you know, going. Bingo's always a hit. Um, exercises. We want to have a nice structure to each day to get our residents out there and social um, and really enjoying all the benefits of life. I'm looking forward to when my generation gets there and we're bringing our <laughs> Xboxes so we can play our kids in Madden or something like that. Uh, I don't know if we're quite there yet or not, but what's the best meal out there? You you, you mentioned you you eat the same food. What's your favorite? I'm going to put you oh, on the spot. Oh, gosh. Hopefully Mary's not watching. <laughs> Let's see here. All right, Mary. I'm very particular. I like when she adds the marbled brownies, her homemade marbled brownies. Um, Little inside joke with her there, but um, probably uh, the pizza out here is phenomenal. It's homemade. It's got nice thick crust, um, lots of cheese, just a very unique take on pizza. And it's probably my favorite. You know, I like pizza everywhere, but this pizza is special. It's it's hard to go wrong with pizza, but uh, but it's good at Fox Run there. So it is Aaron approved. Yeah, thumbs up on it, uh, Aaron. Before we let you go, I know we were talking uh, a few weeks back, and certainly COVID presented huge challenges for the entire industry. 
things are getting back to normal uh, and you guys are going to get to do an event that you had been doing for a long time or prior to COVID and, and bringing back uh, a big Christmas event this year. Yeah, our Christmas tree gala. Um, so in years past, we've always had a great turnout. Um, we have trees that are decorated from area businesses and we host that event with the trees lined up on our main street where all the residents can see. And in years past, we've had, you know, an actual set time where people and businesses from the community can come in and uh, join us for that. You know, last year we had to do everything virtual mm -hmm. where the trees were actually set up in the businesses themselves and everything was on Facebook. I am pretty happy to announce that this year we'll be able to bring the trees to Fox Run Manor, which is the whole purpose. So the residents can truly enjoy that that Christmassy winter wonderland on Main Street just to see all the different trees. <laughs> um, so really excited to get that back here. The only downfall is we're still not allowing, you know, the gala mm -hmm. to occur where it's open to the public to come in. Um, visitors are more than welcome, you know, to visit when they're checking out their residence. They can check out the trees, but uh, we won't have an exact day, but we will virtually post all the trees on Facebook again um, with representation from the businesses who donated them. And we'll have our residents, you know, enjoy it here in the building. Um, I look forward to the day that we can get everybody back <laughs> out here. Um, but yes, the COVID restrictions are still, they're still around, you know, so. Well, I think that you guys are, I mean, you're getting it back as close to normal as, as you can do it right now. It benefits the residents. We'll get to see it on Facebook and everything, but I think that's, that's definitely something that the residents have to be looking forward to this year. Oh, yeah. And it was actually them that brought it up in uh, the <laughs> resident council meetings and the social worker here really pushed for it. So I'm really glad that we got approval to bring it back for them. That's awesome. And this is your first year running it. So so that's fun for you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's definitely it's a big one. Um, and we got to do it right because our our residents are looking forward to it. They're very particular. So we want to <laughs> keep them happy. Well, I am looking forward to uh, to seeing it on Facebook. And Aaron, if, if people want to learn more about Fox Run Manor, uh, if maybe they have a parent that uh, they'd like to have check it out or they just want to learn more about your services and everything, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, the easiest way is to call out here to the facility. Our phone number is 419-424-0832. Or you can look us up on foxrunmanor.com. Aaron, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Doug. Thanks for having me. And Thanks for having that chamber involvement with Fox Run Manor. I appreciate it. 38 years. That's a long time to be with the chamber. Absolutely. We love it. You guys have been great members and we look forward to 38 more. All right. You, you might even be older than 40 at that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Chamber Amplified from the Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.